probably showing my age. I think I've told you before that was one of my favorite shows growing up. Um, I won't ask for a show of hands, so you don't have to show your age, but uh, I, uh, man, that was, that was one incredible show, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, watch it now. It seems a little quirky. I don't know. I'm... Uh, yeah, a little cringeworthy, I don't know. But hey, not only did it have the star power of John Davidson and Kathy Lee Crosby and Fran Tarkington, but uh, it also had some crazy acts that you just had to see to believe, right? Uh, uh, some of the ones I remember, not only, you know, we saw there on the that intro, uh, but uh, I remember a guy who could squeeze himself into a little cube about the size of a milk crate. I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, uh, they, there was a guy who caught a bullet in his teeth, uh, some guy was standing next to the target when somebody shot an arrow and he grabbed the arrow before it hit the target. Uh, these are the things that, that really meant something to me in my, in my growing up years, my formative years, I guess. Uh, they, there was a, a guy who, who was just like standing there and a speeding car is coming at him and he jumped over the car. I, I realized, you know, the, the car's going, as long as you get high enough, you're probably okay. The car's gonna, anyway. But, uh, a motorcycle jumped over helicopters with their rotors spinning. I mean, it was just, uh, I believe it was that's incredible who popularized the the, the the saying, don't try this at home, because they said that an awful lot. It was good that they said that an awful lot, because I think I needed to hear it. Uh, if, if that's incredible is new to you, you can dial it in on the old YouTube, and uh, let me just say in advance, you're welcome. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's good. Uh, so that show on, uh, uh, was, was just the TV version, I think. You could probably say it was a TV version of the old circus sideshow, right? Uh, we, 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 we watched it because we were intrigued. People are going to do uncommon, amazing things. And while Jesus was on earth, he did some pretty uncommon and amazing things too. And people were drawn to him because of a lot of those things. Uh, it all came to a head on that first Palm Sunday, and I, I want us to read uh, Luke's, uh, a portion of Luke's um, uh, description of Palm Sunday, Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 35. It says, they, they, brought, they brought it, the colt, to Jesus, uh, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near to the place where the road goes down to, down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So... Uh, Here's the scene. Jesus is coming from the town of Bethany, a, a couple miles from Jerusalem, where he had just raised his friend Lazarus. We saw that in the video uh, a minute ago. Uh, he, he raised him from the dead uh, just a few days prior to this. Uh, people were excited. The, the folks were following the Jesus sideshow, uh, and, uh, and, and those folks made up a lot of this crowd, uh, most likely, uh, that, that came over the hill toward Jerusalem. They're throwing their coats on the ground. We see in other, uh, other the other Gospels, they're waving palm branches, much like a lot 
lot of you did today. Uh, they're worshiping God. Uh, Jesus and Lazarus are the uh, are, are the latest sideshow act, so to speak. I guess uh, better than better than an episode of That's Incredible, which in hindsight and watching that today probably wasn't that hard to get better than anyway. But 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 in all that ruckus and, and hubbub and and partying and celebration and praise, we don't see Jesus necessarily joining in all that he gets quiet in fact Jesus in the midst of this amazing fantastic incredible scene it says that he wept and they weren't necessarily tears of joy Jesus wept that day on this occasion that 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 looked like it could have been or should have been the the pinnacle of his ministry because he do he knew that many of those people in that crowd and in the city the Israelites in general many just weren't really getting it Uh, we read there at the end of verse uh, 44 in Luke 19 you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you in the new living translation it says you have rejected the opportunity God offered to you in the message you didn't recognize and welcome God's personal visit I mean, they, they looked like they were getting it, right? They, they're praising God, they're welcoming him, uh, they're waving palm branches. Any preacher today uh, would have been ecstatic at the crowd. Boy, we had a great crowd today. You know, you, you, just, you just picture that, uh, that, that this would have been. But, but, but several times throughout his ministry, Jesus seemed to almost repel the crowds or push them away, try to, try to thin out the crowd almost. It's almost as if Jesus' goal wasn't to gather a large crowd. It wasn't to to grow a big church. Uh, The the Jesus goal wasn't to develop a big following, but instead to develop true followers. A few chapters earlier, we we see one of those times where Jesus was was, uh, perhaps thinning out the crowd a bit. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 27, it says large crowds were traveling with Jesus. There it is, large crowds. It's kind of uh, growing, and these large crowds are traveling with Jesus. And and he turned around and he, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. It's, it's not that Jesus didn't want large crowds. It's, it's not that he was against a lot of people following him, right? He, he just wanted them to know that if they were really going to follow him, they needed to know what they were signing up for, right? They, they, they needed to know the cost. When we, uh, when we moved to town here, uh, we moved to Medina. Uh, we bought an older house just a few blocks from the square, and it, it needed some work, but the realtor assured us that it had good bones. Maybe you've heard that before on uh, some of those uh, shows. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe you watch like I do. Well, it's got good bones. Just fix it up a little bit. It's got good, you know, good bones. So, so we had big dreams for those good bones, and, uh, and we just wanted to give it some love and fix it up and, and make it into a great home. And before we ever moved in, we, we tore up carpet and we painted and we cleaned. And some of you even helped do all that. And, and within the first year or so, we had replaced flooring and we had installed a bathroom on the main level and, and we changed... Uh, Ah, man, almost all the light fixtures, and we put in a dishwasher, and, and we'd painted nearly every surface in the whole place. We, we tore out overgrowth in the backyard and built a fence and put in a swing set for the kids, and, and, and the house had, uh, it did have good bones, great features. It had uh, uh, arches uh, in, the, in the doorways and, and uh, real, uh, the, the wide wood trim, solid wood trim, and it had French doors and hardwood floors throughout. And I mean, we had big dreams. 
but the, but the project list kept getting longer, not shorter, and our enthusiasm and our money diminished about the same time, a couple years in. And uh, it was costing more money and taking more time than we had thought, and I guess, to be honest, it stopped being fun, right? Some of you probably have similar stories. Uh, that seems to happen at times in our spiritual lives, too. We we might start off with a with a jolt of energy and enthusiasm, but 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 as we go along, maybe it seems like the ex- excitement of following God can wane, and it it takes uh, time and attention. It's not always exciting. It costs more than maybe you ever thought. And and so Jesus wanted the crowds to know uh, what they were getting into, and if if they were going to keep following him. It wasn't just about what they could, what they could get from him, uh, uh, following the latest sideshow act, being entertained, uh, joining in the, uh, the, the, the crowd, but a life following Jesus, uh, he wanted them to know was going to be a life of sacrifice, a life of surrender. He wanted them to consider the cost. One thing he said it was going to cost them was, uh, in their relationships. Uh, verse 26, uh, Jesus starts out on a fun note. Uh, uh, hate your family, he says. Uh, it's, it's, part, uh, it's right at the top of the how to make friends and influence people, right? You just uh, tell them to, to hate their family. That's, that's good. Thanks, Jesus. Good, good, uh, good talk. Uh, I mean, it, it actually would have sounded as brash and cold-hearted to his audience then as it does to us today. Hate your, uh, uh, your, your family members. Some... Some ki- it's probably good the kids are out here because, uh, you know, hate my sister? Yeah, I can do that. I got it. I got it. I'm following Jesus. I'm hating my sister. That's good. But we, we read this and we go, well, that can't be right. That doesn't sit well. I mean, uh, how could Jesus want us to hate uh, uh, each other, or, or especially people in our family? I mean, in other places in the Bible, doesn't it say that we should honor our father and mother and, and that we need to love each other deeply, right? And, and we don't exasperate our children. I mean, we, we could keep going. So, so what is going on here? Well, the, the, the Greek word translated hate literally is a relative or a comparative term that really means to love less than. In Matthew 10, 37, that's exactly how it's stated, the, uh, uh, where it says, anyone who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And so Jesus uh, is, is basically saying, uh, I mean, yeah, families are, are wonderful. God created us for these relationships. Our family relationships are, are meant to be among the closest that we have, but they cannot be more important than our relationship with him, Right? No relationship, no matter how wonderful, should compete with my allegiance for God. One of the conditions of discipleship, Jesus says, uh, if you're going to follow me, it demands that Jesus has a priority in our relationships. We have to love no one more than we love him. We got to consider the cost. We got to count the cost. Another consideration we need to make is uh, uh, Jesus emphasizes here. I guess we could summarize it that that it's a it's a, a, a sacrifice of our of our goals, maybe or our our uh, our, our desires, our dreams, where we're headed in life. Uh, another condition of being a disciple of Jesus is that He has to have priority in my life. He's going to be the one to direct my life. Verse twenty seven says that anyone who wants to follow Christ will carry their cross and follow Him. Reverend Gary Inrig wrote these words, uh, these are strong words, hard to accept in a society that insists on self-realization and personal preference uh, as life's guide. 
Today, the cross is a decoration or an ornament, but Jesus is not asking us to wear a necklace. He's calling us to a radical and costly identification with him. For that crowd that was growing as it followed Jesus, the, the, the cross would have signified a gruesome death. This, this would have been, again, a shocking thing for Jesus to say, right? First, he says, hate your family, and the shock value of that, well, I don't want to follow that guy. He's telling me, and, and then he says, carry a cross, and uh, in, that, in that, I mean, that would have been a powerful image because every person in that crowd had seen people carrying crosses, and every single person that they had seen carrying crosses uh, we're headed to their own executions, right? If I'm carrying a cross, I'm as good as dead. The, uh, this is more than wearing jewelry or getting a cross tattoo. Uh, this, it's also not uh, talking about what we mean when we say uh, that, that uh, a lot of people might use this term, well, that's just, that's just the cross I have to bear, Right? And, and we loosely pull it from this, but, but we pull it out of context, I think. I mean, usually we use that phrase when we're putting up with some inconvenience or, or uh, uh, some behavior of someone, and, well, it's just the cross I have. Maybe we have to do something we don't really want to do. Uh, it's just the, just the cross I have. To, I, I don't know. Maybe your, uh, your neighbor's tree always uh, uh, is blowing branches and leaves and debris into your yard, and you're going, oh, man, I, you're telling somebody, if I just I can't. I mean, I've got to pick them up all the time. And I mean, it's not even my tree. And, oh, it's just, well, I guess that's just the cross I have to bear. Well, no, it's just annoying. It's not the cross you have to bear. That's not what this, this means. When Jesus tells us that in order to follow him, we have to carry our cross, I mean, he's, he's talking about dying spiritually. He's talking about sacrifice. He's talking about surrender. Our lives are no longer our own. We're living for God. We submit to his plans. We obey his direction. We've surrendered our lives to him. We've given up. We're crucified. We carry our cross. It's interesting. Jesus is using present tense language here. If you dig into the the uh, the, the that that kind of thing, if if you're into that, I'll just uh, 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 let you know today. This is present tense language. It could literally be translated. We those who follow me continue to carry their cross. It's not a one-time thing. I'm going to pick up a cross for a little while and then I'm done with it. I'm going to continue to carry my cross. It's an ongoing, voluntary act of submitting to the plans of God, even if his plans conflict with what I thought I wanted to do. Uh, My wife, Rebecca, decided years ago that she is not ever going to say the word never to God anymore. Uh, early on, she decided there were several things that uh, uh, that in her life growing up and and even as a young adult she she had decided well i 'm I'm not not going to do that she she said i 'm never going to live in kansas she had seen the seen the tornadoes and the things and and was uh, didn 't didn't want to be any any close to that. She said she's never going to teach in the inner city because that was just overwhelming. She had her teaching degree, but sure didn't want to be anywhere near the inner city. And, and uh, the, the, the kicker was that she was never going to marry a preacher, for, for heaven's sakes. Well, after we graduated from college, we got married, moved to Kansas City. I started seminary, and she put me through school by teaching in an inner city middle school. 
So uh, those things were all knocked off pretty quick. Uh, she is never going to say never to God again. Uh, and that's uh, kind of been one of our jokes over the years. Uh, it, it's about sacrifice and surrender, right? I'm going to surrender my, my, what I think I want, and I'm going to just follow and obey where God is taking me. When, when we're carrying a cross and following Jesus, earthly desires change, and we're drawn to the things of God. Jesus says that, that he has to be the priority in our relationships and in our, in our goals, in our entire lives. Uh, they, they say that the person who has nothing to die for has nothing to live for. As disciples of Jesus, we have everything to live for because we've chosen what and who we will die for. We have to die to our old way of life and we carry our cross. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his uh, classic book, The Cost of Discipleship, puts it this way. The cross is laid on every Christian. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. This, uh, the, the, the week leading up to Easter, uh, the week that is, is literally spread out in front of us right now, uh, ha- has been called Passion Week. Maybe you've heard that term uh, in, the, in the, the, the Christian life, uh, Easter Week, Passion, passion Week. It's, it's when Jesus showed us the extent of his passionate love for us. I, I encourage you, I challenge you to, uh, to read the gospel accounts this week of the events that, that, that led up to the cross. It's recorded from four different perspectives in the, in the last few chapters of, of uh, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, you can flip through to go to the end of each one of those uh, books and, and uh, you can read about uh, Jesus' passion for us. Read about his, his time with the disciples in the upper room, uh, his prayers and his instructions for them. His, his passionate prayer in the Garden of Eden where to the point of, of sweating drops of blood. Uh, read about the, his submission to the soldiers as they came, uh, uh, the, the uh, sham of a trial or trials that he endured. Be reminded of the, the beatings and the mocking and the crown of thorns and the nails and the agony. Jesus was our passionate sacrifice. What, what he did makes all the difference. He, uh, he, he raises us from the ashes of sin. Last week we talked about... Uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, temptation and then sin, but, but, but we realize that, that we can overcome those things because of Jesus, because his sacrifice is an all-encompassing sacrifice. It was and is enough to cover our sin. It, it's an incredible blessing, and, and he has sacrificed himself for us, but the story doesn't end there because then he calls us to live sacrificially too. We follow him carrying our cross. Galatians 2.20 puts it this way, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. At, at this time of year, it's, it's common to, to, to thank Jesus for his sacrifice. We, we, uh, we, we get all weepy when we, we think about his suffering on our behalf and that's, that's perfectly appropriate and we should we celebrate the forgiveness that, that, that the sacrifices uh, bring to us. 
we, we ponder those things and, and, uh, and we empathize and we sympathize. And, and I wonder, though, how much time we, we take in pondering what it would look like to be crucified with him. Being crucified with Jesus is all about obedience and surrender. We're dying to our old life. We're dying to our sin. We're, we're, uh, uh, we're, we're dying to that way of living where we're looking out for ourselves and, and, uh, and we're in control and, and, uh, and we're giving up control, sacrificing that control as we follow him in love and surrender. I guess what I'm saying is that he sacrificed for us how can we do any less but to sacrifice ourselves back to him? I, we make sacrifices big and small all the time, right? We, we sacrifice time or money or preferences or, uh, at different times for, 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 for people in our lives or for causes or for, for uh, a whole host of things. We, we sacrifice a lot. We could say that, you know, we, we, uh, we don't do what we would do uh, because we're sacrificing that in order to do this, right? And, and I think our main reason that we sacrifice is that we deem the situation, uh, the, 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 the cause, the person, the, the outcome, we, we deem it to be worth it, right? I'm going to sacrifice that because it's worth it. It's worth the sacrifice. It's a, it's a worthy cause. It's worth the sacrifice. Maybe, maybe you need to know today that in the eyes of Jesus, you were worthy of his sacrifice. And maybe you need to realize on Palm Sunday as we're waving the branches that Jesus is worthy of your sacrifice. Not, not for what you can get from him. Not because it's what everybody else is doing, the, the best show in town. But simply because he's worth it. It's worth putting Jesus above my relationships, above my goals and preferences and, and all the things that I thought was how life was going to work out. It's worth giving my life for him. Because of his sacrifice for me, I surrender my life to him. And it, it, it's interesting, as I have contemplated that all week, it, uh, it, it's it's interesting to note that a surrendered life is a fulfilled life and that's a bit counterintuitive i think but 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 a life lived for god and for others not for my own fulfillment is the most fulfilling life i can live if if i'm just looking to to live a life that's fulfilling for me then it's uh, focused on me and what i want but if i back off of that and i start living for god and for others and i sacrifice uh, what i thought i want and instead give my life to him then that is a surrendered life a sacrificial life is actually the most fulfilling life there is as we walk through this week Maybe, maybe again. Maybe it's the first time for you as, as a person of faith to walk through. Maybe you're still working out all this, uh, faith stuff. I don't know. But as you walk through this week, maybe it's the umpteenth time that you've, uh, oh, it's another Easter. Here we go. And we got to cook the ham and, and get the flowers and do the stuff. But I, I challenge you as we walk through this week that you do it recognizing not only Jesus' sacrifice for you, but that as you experience his sacrifice, that you'll give your life to him. There's, a, there's an old story about a hunting dog that was laying in the sun out in the country when a rabbit happened by. 
And that dog jumped up and immediately the race was, uh, chase was on and, and he bellowed and he barked and he chased that rabbit up the hills and, and, and through the thickets and across the creeks and under the trees. And as he did, other dogs heard the commotion and they joined in the chase. And the, the, the pack uh, of dogs made all sorts of ruckus as they uh, chased the dog that was chasing the rabbit uh, throughout the countryside. And, and gradually, however, those other dogs started to get tired and, and one by one they dropped out of the pursuit, uh, discouraged by the difficult terrain and, and frustrated by the chase that was, was still going on and on. And, 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 and so uh, after a while, only the first dog continued to intently pursue that rabbit. They, when, the, when the old timers tell that story, they stop there and uh, maybe they're sitting around a fire or rocking on the front porch and, and somebody who hasn't heard the story before will eventually ask, well, why didn't those dogs keep up with the hunt? Why did they drop out of the chase? And it's then that the old timer responds thoughtfully, maybe with a little uh, smile in the corner of his, of his mouth. Well, they hadn't seen the rabbit. They hadn't seen the rabbit. And you and I will no doubt lack the passion and determination necessary to continue in a sacrificial life of faith if we haven't first seen, first experienced, first known Jesus. As Jesus said, if we haven't recognized the time of God's coming to you. 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid a personal visit to earth in human form. And he is visiting us personally and spiritually even today, even right now, even this morning. Don't miss it. There, there, there are many who, who don't believe that, that Jesus is, is real like many who watch the show, that's incredible. I'm sure there are, there are skeptics who, who doubt anything that amazing can be for real, right? And uh, many people just don't believe that, that God did pay a personal visit to, to them so that they could live. And I believe that uh, some of the tears that Jesus has shed has been for folks like that who don't yet believe it. There are others who are, who are seemingly faithful, right? They, they see the wonderful and miraculous things of Jesus. Maybe they're even intrigued and, and want to see more, but, but that's just as far as it goes. And there's no uh, commitment to God's agenda, to his plans. Their, their Christianity, maybe we could describe it as a sideshow Christianity, so to speak. A belief that allows them to watch without ever getting too close. Wanting the benefits without the commitment. And I believe Jesus weeps for them too. I guess today I just want you to know that Jesus is not a novelty to be watched and he's not just there to give me everything I want, but he gives me everything I need because of his sacrifice. In light of that sacrifice, we must surrender our lives to him.